much. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're turning to the book of 2 Peter, chapter number 3. 2 Peter, chapter number 3. I want to read three verses this morning and just preach what God has laid upon my heart. And I do appreciate each and every one of you being here today. Do not take your attendance for granted. It is a joy to see the house of God filled and it is a joy to see you here with us today. Second Peter chapter number 3. I'll ask you if you will please stand to your feet. I'm going to read these verses. Second Peter chapter 3 beginning with verse number 8. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. When preaching, this is the third in the series, a series of messages entitled The Second Coming of Jesus. Today I want to preach on this thought, the power of his return. Father, would you help us now to preach rightly dividing the word of truth. Empty me, Father, I pray, cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, Fill me with your spirit. I need your help today desperately, Lord. For this I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Seems like I've had this heavy on my heart for a number of weeks. Laid awake even in the night thinking I'm getting ready to preach, getting ready to preach, getting ready to preach. I'm just conscious that I'm getting ready to preach. There are signs all over of Jesus' second coming. I'll give you just a few of them. I think the very first one that we need to consider, uh, I'm not necessarily preaching the message about this, but the first thing you need to consider is the statehood of Israel. Israel, when they became a nation in 1948, that's a pretty serious sign that Jesus is coming back. He had prophesied after they'd been separated and dispersed all over the world that one day Israel would come back together. And there, out of nothing, God has brought them back together as a nation. Uh, we do realize right now with Hamas and Hezbollah and all the attacks of their neighbors around them, I really think Psalm 83 is coming to life, amen, right before our very eyes. I begin to think then about the nation of Israel and their status. And I look back in the book of Hosea, at chapter number 6, and this came to my mind. Would you turn with me? We'll turn back to 2 Peter in a minute. But Hosea chapter 6, I want to read verses 1 and 2, a prophecy from the book of Hosea that relates the status of Israel. We've just read in your hearing a minute ago that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. We know that in six days God created Heaven and earth and all that is, six days. I believe in a six-day creation. We know, listen to me, 2,000 years to Abraham, 2,000 years from there to the birth of Christ, 
2,000 years to where we are now. 6,000 years, six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. And there's coming a millennial kingdom. Let's line this thought process up with Hosea chapter 6, verse number 1. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. In the third day will he raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Let's think about Christ. Jesus, God's own son, gave his life on a cross. Came into his own, they rejected him. The year of our Lord, 33, he was 33 years old. Crucified, rejected by his very own people. On the third day after being buried, he resurrected from the grave. Amen. Three days. Here we see Hosea mentioning three days. Let's talk about it. So if we mention the year of his rejection, maybe 33 A.D., we know that in 70 A.D., Titus came, Roman emperor, destroyed Jerusalem, dispersed the Jews, killed thousands and thousands. The Bible says, look with me in verse 1, for he hath torn. There's the very first day. The Lord has torn them. Crusaders came from Europe and marched. Eight different groups of crusaders came from Europe and marched through Jerusalem, killing, slaying thousands and thousands of Jews in the process. God bringing judgment upon the Jews. Preacher Darren, why? They rejected his son. And the high priest said, his blood be on us and our children. And certainly it has been. Amen. We know that in, what was it, 1470, uh, that uh, King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella they took all the Jews that were living in Spain and kicked them out, confiscated all their properties and put that money in the coffers of the Roman Catholic Church. We know that in World War II, Hitler murdered six million Jews. How horrendous. But on May 14, 1948, Israel was reborn as a nation. Day one, he hath torn us. Verse two, day two, after two days, he will revive us. There you go. Israel now has their statehood. Israel has been reborn as a nation. Oh, you better look out, amen. What happens in day three? Look with me. In, not on, in the third day, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. 2023, he was crucified in 33. 1,990 years between there and now. We know that after the rapture of the church, there'll be seven years of tribulation. That's 1997. I'm telling you, the Bible says in the third day, he'll raise us up. Somewhere in the next few years, maybe it could be today, the rapture is going to happen. The church will be taken home and the Lord will center his focus upon the nation of Israel and he's going to raise them up. There'll be seven years of tribulation on this earth after which the Lord will come back to defeat the devil, the Antichrist and the false prophet at the battle of Armageddon. I'm just telling you, the rapture will take place 
very soon. Now the Bible then has a message that's very needed in their day. What's one of the signs of his coming? The statehood and the status of Israel. Go back with me to 2 Peter. Here's another sign. I'm not preaching you. I'm just setting it up. Another sign that's going to happen is in, there'll be scoffers. Look at verse 3 of 2 Peter chapter 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts. People right now, they're laughing. Oh, I ain't coming back. That's the biggest. They laughed at Noah too. They all drowned, but they laughed at him, amen. And you can laugh your way into hell if you want to, but you won't laugh your way out. They laughed their way into drowning. They didn't laugh their way out of drowning. In the last days, scoffers will come. The more people scoff, the more it is a sign that we live in the last days. The protest of the Palestinians right now all across our nation and all across the world against Israel is also a sign against their protest and against Jesus. They can't stand Jesus. They are so against him, so scoffers. Let me give you another sign. The Bible says in the book of Daniel, chapter number 12 and verse number 5, that in the last days, knowledge would increase. So we're going to live in a time of a surge of knowledge. For 1,900 years, whole lot of nothing as far as knowledge and advancements. But all of a sudden, they invented a car. And then they invented an airplane. And then they invented atomic bombs and hydrogen bombs and now nuclear bombs. I'm telling you, your cell phone, the ability to talk to somebody from here to California, to Indonesia, to do everything and compute everything. I mean, we see a surge of knowledge. God said in the last day, there would be a knowledge would be increasing. These are all signs of the last days. If you sit here and think about it, y'all, we ought to realize Jesus is coming. But here's the thing. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7 says, Knowing this, that men will be ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. The Bible tells us this. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. He did not say you'll know global warming, and global warming will make you free. He did not say you will know modern science and mathematics, and that will set you free. He did not say you'll know world peace, and it'll make you free. He said it'll be the truth. Today I'm trying to stand before you, and you may look at me and say, Preacher, you've lost your everlasting mind. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is coming. It is happening right before our eyes. I'm telling you, prophecies are being fulfilled like a bag of popcorn in a microwave oven. Pop, 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 pop. This thing is getting ready to happen. Now, the Bible telling us these things are going to happen to me in these last days, does it make me fearful while it's fearful words? It doesn't make me afraid because I know where I'm going. I know in whom I've trusted. I know in whom I've believed, amen. I know that I'm a sinner, but I know he's forgiven me and saved my soul. And I want to take you with me. Every one of you that are born again, praise God for it. We're on our way to heaven today, amen. Now, let me just mention a couple things. When we see these things happening, we're to lift up our heads for our redemption 
draweth nigh. When we see what's happening, we should know it can't be too far. When you look in the book of Revelation, chapters 1 through 3, the word church or churches occurs 18 times. But in chapter 4, it's not seen again on earth. It's in heaven. It's been called up, been called away. It is the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. What about that? And suddenly, you and I, look with me in verse number 10. Suddenly, we get concerned about the day of the Lord. It will come as a thief in the night. It did not say the day of Christ, the day of the Lord. Preacher, it's the same thing. It's different. The day of Christ speaks of the rapture. Philippians chapter 1. I just want to show you this. This little proof text. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6. I'm talking to you that are saved today. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you shall perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. That is the rapture. But the day of the Lord takes place just after the rapture. It is judgment. It is tribulation. What's the difference between Lord and Christ? Christ means Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one who comes to take our sins away. Lord means he's ruler, he's victor, he's conqueror over all. Upon this world, listen, for you that are saved, you're going to be called away, taken home. But if you're flying on an airplane and your pilot happened to be a Christian, he's going up and you're going down. There'll be taxi cab drivers that are saved and you're riding in the back of it and you veer off course into a building. I'm telling you, preacher Darren, what's going to happen? We're going to lose everything we have about this world and we're going to be called home to be with Jesus. And then, listen, the Sunday after the rapture takes place, this church will be the most filled it's ever been. There'll be people in here weeping and crying, begging, Oh God, what have I done? How have I missed it? The preacher told me, but the preacher's not here. The deacons are not here. The choir that's saved, not here. We'll have the biggest church service after the rapture we've ever happened, ever had, but there'll be nobody here to preach it. There'll be no spirit here to convict or draw people. It's going to be a scary time. And the Antichrist is going to step up and say, ah, 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 have a plan, plan, plan. He's going to get this world in a time of peace. And he's going to look like a hero. Let's talk about it real quick. When we look at the Word of God, I see, number one, the priority of Jesus' return. Now, I want to look at a verse of Scripture. I know we've turned to a lot, but I like to have text to back up the preaching. And Matthew chapter 24, it's very important that you see this. In Matthew 24 and verse number 30, Jesus speaking. I'm just reading what he said in Matthew 24, 30. What is the priority of his return? Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now, there were, in the Old Testament, 
many prophecies about Jesus' first coming. There are prophecies about him being born in a manger in Bethlehem. Did you know, come here, I want to tell you, that there are prophecies, more prophecies, about Jesus' second coming than there were of his first coming. In fact, the number, I did the math, it's eight to one. For every prophecy of Christ coming to this earth being born of a virgin, and he did appear, there are eight prophecies of his return. Did you know that seven out of every ten chapters in the New Testament deal with the second coming of Jesus? That means that one out of every 30 verses deal with the second coming of Jesus. Paul, when he wrote the first two books to the New Testament churches, every chapter was about the return of Jesus Christ. Jesus referred to his return 21 times. Did you know the second coming is second only to salvation as the most dominant subject in the Bible. The fact that the second coming is so prominent should indicate to you it's important to God and what's important to God should be important to you. There is the priority of His coming. Second of all, there is the prediction of His return. It is predicted in the book of Genesis. It is predicted in the book of Revelation. It is predicted with hundreds of prophecies from Genesis to Revelation. May I read to you out of the book of Jude, verse number 14. Jude 1, verse number 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam. Preacher Aaron, what does that mean? Adam had a son named Seth. Seth had a son. Seventh generation Enoch. You know, you know what happened to Enoch? He was not because God took him. Just like he's going to take the church away. Preacher, this snatching people away has never happened before. God took Enoch. God took Elijah. God's going to take his church home one day. In Jude 1.14, Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of thee, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Why? To execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Jude prophesied. I can, mm. What about Daniel? Daniel chapter 7. Daniel, man, he's a man of visions. A young man uh, that was taken into captivity by the Babylonians. They tried to change his name. They tried to change his attire, but they could not change his service unto the Lord God. In the book of Daniel, chapter number 7, and in verse number 13, Daniel says, I, was, I, was, I saw in the night visions. He was having a vision. What did he see? Behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient, capital A, that's God, the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. There was given him a dominion and a glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is everlasting dominion 
which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. He said the Son of Man is coming. He'll be given a kingdom, amen, that'll never pass away. Praise God for it. I could take time to read to you out of the book of Zechariah. I'm just going to keep moving ahead. We were, in, we were in Matthew 24 a minute ago. Let's read a little bit more there. Matthew 24. Look at verse 27. This is Jesus' words regarding his second coming. I like to have the Bible. It's not just my idea or my opinion. It's the word of God. I'm quoting to you facts that Jesus taught himself. In Matthew 24, verse 27, look at this. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Preacher Darren, what's he saying? After, will you hear me? After the rapture of the church, I'm gone. Hopefully you are too. On earth, chaos, cataclysms, catastrophes like this world has never seen. You may say, oh, preacher Darren, I'm fine. I'm going to get through it. I'll be just, I'll do whatever. If you take the mark of the beast and no man can buy or sell without it, you have forever doomed your soul. We have that technology today. It's in place. As small as a thinner than a grain of rice can go in the right palm of your hand. It'll give you your social security number, your account balance, all your account numbers, your social security, everything. You want to get a social security check? It'll be put into your account. Everything's verified. They'll scan your hand when you go to Ingalls. They'll scan your, you'll be scanning your credit card. You'll be, you'll be scanning your hand. Everything done through the mark of the beast or in your forehead. And there'll be hardly any theft. You know why? Nobody, today people steal credit cards and numbers. But today nobody's going to, in that, in that day, nobody's going to steal your hand and pull out a hand and scan somebody's hand. It's just not going to happen. They're gonna, the Antichrist will have a plan to stop all fraud. Preacher Darren, it just can't happen. You ha I, listen, I have a Visa credit card. Visa, Visa, V-I, Roman numeral four. The Greek letter sigma has a numerical value of six. And the Phoenician letter A, alpha, uh, is the word, it's the letter of the number six. Six, six, six. In every single one of your credit, I'm just telling you, y'all, the technology was not available when I was a baby. But now in the age in which we live, you better realize the technology increasing. Uh, knowledge is increasing more and more and more. Jesus is coming. Verse 30, then, listen, on this earth, after this cataclysm and catastrophes and everything, and the Antichrist is going to gather all the armies of the world to destroy Israel. He's going to forsake his peace treaty with him, with them. Going to forsake his covenant with them and gather all the worlds against Israel. And then when all the armies turn against Israel, Jesus is coming back from heaven in his second coming. And all the armies that are in heaven are going to come with him. And he's going to defeat. Listen, the Antichrist and all his armies, as much as they hate Israel, they're going to turn their attention on the Son of Man coming back to defend Israel. They're going to try to defeat Jesus. The Bible says in verse 30, 
Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. They shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the earth to the other. Jesus said he's coming back. Honey, he's coming back. Amen. Thirdly, preacher Darren, well, if he's coming back, where is he coming? I'm so glad you asked. The place of his return, he tells us in Zechariah chapter 14 where he's coming. Let's look at it. It's in the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter number 14. The last book in the Old Testament is the book of Malachi. Go one book before it. Zechariah, last chapter, chapter number 14. He says in verse number 3, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. So where's he going to stand? The Mount of Olives is facing Israel to the east. His feet shall stand that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof towards the east and towards the west. There shall be a very great valley. Half the mountain shall remove towards the north and half of it towards the south. When that happens in that valley, in that area, you're getting ready to have the battle of Armageddon. The Bible says that the blood of that battle will be so deep that they measured it up to a horse's bridle, about four and a half feet deep, blood. Preacher Darren, why would they measure it with a horse's bridle? You know why? Because there'll be all these jamming systems where your cell phones won't work, your communication devices won't work, your nuclear bombs won't go off. I'm telling you, everything's going to, your tanks, your stealth bombers, everything will be grounded. Nothing's going to work. They have to resort to battle back on the bareback of a horse. And the blood will flow so deep in that day of battle, it'll be four and a half feet deep. You may say, preacher, and I'm not a Christian, but I'm going to take my chances. And I'm going to go into this tribulation you know what you're going to do? You're going to believe a lie. You're going to believe that he is the Christ. You're going to believe that he is the Messiah. You're going to take his number. And I'm telling you, you know what you're going to, ha- going to happen to you? You're going to die. And you're going to be thrown to the lake of fire with him. That's what's going to happen. And God has sent his son Jesus to take your sins, that your sins might be forgiven that your soul might be saved, that you wouldn't have to go to hell, that you wouldn't have to go to the lake of fire, that you might turn to Jesus and He'd take you home to live with Him in heaven. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to live with you and He wants you to live with Him. When I got saved, He came to live with me. But one day He's taken me to live with Him. Amen. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be tricked. I don't want to be here during the tribulation. This world is bad enough already. Amen. Jesus is coming. Fourthly, we're going to look at Revelation. Fourthly, what is the preparation for his return? Well, first preparation will be the rapture. That's going to be the next sign that's going to happen. 
We have seen already the stirring of Israel. We have seen the surge of knowledge. We have seen the scoffers on every hand. The next thing is going to be the surprise of the rapture. Then, listen, when the, when the Antichrist steps on the scene and says, peace, 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 and the world has peace, after three and a half years, God said, I'll put a hook in the jaws of Gog and Magog and draw them towards Israel. Who is that? The Bible says Magog is Russia. She's due north of Israel. It is hooks, plural, two hooks. I think the hooks are already set. There are two things Russia needs. Number one, they need a warm weather port. Just in the last 10 years, they have launched an assault and now they have a warm weather port. Hook one, already pulled them in. Hook two, oil reserves. Did you know the Wall Street Journal recently reported about the biggest oil discovery in history off Israel? There'll be enough oil for them for hundreds of years. And don't you think that Russia has not paid attention? Putin and all of Russia's czars are eyeballing that thinking. We'll let Syria and Hamas and Hezbollah, Iran and Iraq do our business. But the Bible says in Ezekiel 38 and 39 that God will set the hooks and he'll pull them in. And the Bible tells us it will be Syria. Persia, which is Iran, Iraq. He will also pull in Sudan, Ethiopia. He'll pull in Turkey. That's Tagarma. He'll pull them in for this time of battle to wage war with Israel in this tribulation. They're not going to be victorious, but they're going to suppress and they're going to attack. And at the end of this three and a half, three and a half years, the battle of Gog and Magog, and another three and a half years, here comes the battle of Armageddon. You got your Bible? Revelation 19. Revelation 19. What happens? Fifthly, the power of his return. And I'm done. Verse 11. I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. This is not the Antichrist. This is the Christ. A heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called, capital F, faithful and capital T, true. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. The first time Jesus came to this earth, he was here in obscurity, here in lowly Bethlehem. The only people that really realized he was there were the shepherds. But the second time he comes, every eye is going to behold him. It'll not be a secret, honey. Every eye will see him. When he comes the second time, right now, sometimes we feel like preacher, Darren, the world is so wrong. It's so messed up. When Jesus comes, he's going to make every wrong right. He's going to fix everything when he comes back for the name of righteousness. His eyes, verse 12, were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture, dipped in blood, and his name is called, whew, I'm about to get tore up, the Word of God.
I want to skip down to verse 19. Notice with me. Skip down. No, 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 verse 14, sorry. Verse 14. Sorry, I'm sorry. The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Preacher Darren, the army that's in heaven, is that the angels? No. The army that's in heaven are those believers that were raptured, that appeared at the judgment seat of Christ and were given crowns and clothed in white. A bride clothes herself in white, which is now the righteousness of the saints. And after seven years in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb, when our Savior returns to this earth to defeat the Antichrist and all those armies, riding on white horses, we're galloping in behind him. You may say, Preacher Darren, I'm allergic to horses. Preacher Darren, I'm scared of horses. I don't really like horses. I'm afraid of them. Honey, God's going to do something supernatural. And you won't be allergic. You won't need no Benadryl, bless God. You won't need no allergy shots, amen. You've been healed and you're going to come riding in and you're coming to a fight. You're coming to a battle. Preacher Darren, I don't want to fight in a war. You won't have to fire a shot. Amen. The Savior's going to control this thing. I've always wanted to get in a fixed fight, amen. When I knew my side's going to win, put them up. Put them up. Just go, get them, Jesus. Amen. I like it when Big Brother steps in and says, you move over, boys. I got this. He's mine, amen. Praise God for it, amen. Listen, verse 15. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh name written, capital, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. Woo! Hey, shout and give him praise. Amen. What a great God we're serving. What a great Savior. Amen. What a victory he's going to win. Conquering all our enemies. Amen. Hallelujah to God. Verse 17. And I saw an angel standing in the sun. He cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come. And gather yourselves together under the supper of the great God. Ooh, ooh. Do you remember when Jesus, right before he was betrayed and led out to be crucified, when he was praying in the garden, amen, right before they did that, they had the last supper with his disciples. He, he said, this, this bread is broken, represents my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat. And then he said, this cup, which represents my blood, which is shed for you. Take and drink it. And as often as you do this, you, do show, you show the Lord's death till he comes. <laughs> Amen. That's the last supper. But God's got a different last supper in mind. He says to all the buzzards and the ravens and all the fowls, he says, come and gather yourselves What's going to happen, preacher Darren? What's he going to do? Throw out some bird feed? Look with me. Verse 18. Yeah, he is. That you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. Woo-wee. Look at verse 21. 
the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat on the horse. So in other words, when they're killed, when, when Jesus wipes them out, amen, their souls are going to the lake of fire. And when he does, their bodies are plucked to death by the fowls of the air. Woo-wee. Let me tell you something. You're not going to stop his return. You're not going to stop what Jesus wants to do. Go back with me, verse 19. I saw the beast. Who's the beast? That's the Antichrist who's coming to power with his great smelling, his great swelling speeches and all his tremendous lies that he's going to tell. The beast, the kings of the earth, their armies, they all follow the Antichrist. They gather together to make war against him, that's Jesus, that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast, the Antichrist, was taken and with him the false prophet. There'll be a John the Baptist, a religious leader that'll tell everybody, bow down to the Antichrist. He, he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He's a liar. That, that liar, the false prophet, and the Antichrist were going to be taken captive immediately by Jesus Christ. Those that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image, these both were cast alive. <laughs> cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. They're going to go to the lake of fire before the devil goes. Then ever, listen, listen to me. On earth, in Revelation chapter 20, Jesus is going to take the devil. You can read it, chapter, one, chapter 20, verses maybe 2, 3, 4. He's going to take the devil and bind him up for a thousand years, going to shut him up. I like that when the devil has to shut up and put him in a prison. And for 1,000 years on earth, 1,000 years, the oldest man that ever lived was Methuselah, 969 years old. There'll be people living in the millennium older than Methuselah, a time of prosperity. No more lions attacking lambs. Be a time of prosperity. No more COVID. No more leukemia. No more cancer. All these things are done away. A time of prosperity that the world has never seen. And Jesus is the reign and has the reigns and is ruler over all. And after a thousand years, the devil that deceived them was let loose for a little season. He's going to go out and say, hey, 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 why are y'all serving that Jesus fella? I mean, you've been here a thousand years, 500 years, forever, ever when you was born. Why you got to bow down to him? Why don't you do what you want to do? Why don't you do what I want you to do? And is going to gather another war. And the Bible says the Lord's going to wipe them out. And look with me in verse 10 of chapter 20. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. That low-down, egg-sucking dog devil is going to be brought in and said, bow the knee. No! Bow the knee! And confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I'm going to be there. I'm going to watch the devil have to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. And after he does and humbles himself, Jesus is going to pick him up by the seat of his britches, if he's got any, and he's going to hurl him into the lake of fire and he'll be burning there forever and ever and ever. Amen. And every time 
The devil bothers me about my past. I bother him about his future. Amen. He's going to be done away with. And every person, every sinner that would not get saved, you're going to stand before God, great and small, and he's going to have the Lamb's book of life and the word of God. And he's going to show you the opportunities you had to serve God and be saved. And if you're, listen, and if you said no and you rejected Jesus in services just like this, he's going to show you in the Lamb's book an empty place where your name could have been. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Oh, but preacher Darren, I came to Bethel. Oh, preacher Darren, I heard you preach. Oh, preacher Darren, I have a Bible. Oh, preacher Darren, my grandma serves God. Oh, preacher Darren, depart from me. I never knew you. You would not humble yourself and call upon me and admit yourself a sinner and admit I'm the Savior. So now go, depart, he'll throw you. In the lake of fire where the Antichrist and the false prophet and the devil and all the devil's angels will be, you'll be tormented. I mean, have you ever been walking down a street, lady? Ladies, and, and maybe some men around you made you feel uncomfortable? You have no idea what that's going to be like in hell. Some of you enjoy sitting on your front porch and having a cup of tea and, and getting a little bit of peace and relaxation. There'll be no relaxation in, in hell. There'll be no gathering of the family in hell. There'll be no party in hell. I'm telling you, the lake of fire, the Bible says you'll be tormented day and night forever. Oh, preacher dear, and I just don't believe that. I, I just, ha <laughs> ha, that's crazy. You just made my Bible come true. In the last days, there'll be scoffers. They laughed at Noah. Turns out he was right. They laughed at the prophets telling that Jesus would come the first time. Being born in Bethlehem, oh, what a yawner. That'll never happen. Wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger, ha, ha, that'll never happen. And it did. And now here I stand today telling you based not on my ideas, not on my opinions, but based on what the Word of God says, Jesus is coming back and you're not ready, but you could be ready if you'd call on Him and you're going to laugh about it. Preacher, why are you preaching this? Trying to scare me? I'm telling you, I'm trying to encourage you. Preacher, this is not encouraging. I'm trying to tell you, lift up your heads. That's your hope. Your redemption draweth nigh. We're soon to get out of here. Just like he said, our troubles are going to be past. Then you know what my biggest trouble really is? Is I got people that come to hear me preach. They're laughing. And I love them. And they're going to hell. And they think it's going to be a party. And they have no idea. And so I've taken my time to pray and study and seek God's face to ask you, don't you want to go to heaven? Don't you want to go to heaven? God told me to do it this way. Your head's bowed. Nobody's looking. Preacher Darren, I, I don't know if I'm saved or not. Preacher Darren, I don't know if I'm saved or not. Well, you could be saved right now. Is there anybody here say, Preacher Darren, I'm not, listen, I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm asking you because I want to pray for you. I'm asking you, would you raise your hand and say, Preacher, I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven one day. I want to tell you, Preacher, I'm not living right. I need to get right with God. Is there anybody here? Slip up your hand and put it right back down. Nobody's looking. Thank you.
Anybody else, Preacher Darren? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else, Preacher Darren, right now? I want to know that I'm saved. I've got to know, Preacher Darren. Anybody else? Two have raised their hands. God bless you. I'll not embarrass you, I promise. Slip up your hand right now. Come on. Anybody else? There goes another. Three, praise the Lord. Anybody else? I'm going to ask you if you're watching at home and you've never been saved, maybe you raise your hand. I can't see that, but God does. You put it right back down. Nobody's looking. I'm not going to embarrass you. I promised you. I wonder, is there anybody here? Would you just bow your head with me right now where you're sitting on your pew or sitting on your couch at home? Would you simply say this? Would you say, Jesus, tell him, Jesus, I'm lost. I'm a sinner. Tell him, I don't live right. I don't talk right. Forgive me. I believe you died on a cross. Tell him, Jesus, you died on a cross for me. Wash me. Ask him, wash me in your blood. Save my soul. Let me go to heaven. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' blood. Amen. Nobody's looking. Your head's bowed. Does anybody here say, Preacher Darren, I prayed today. I believe you heard me. Anybody? One. Two. Anybody else? Preacher Darren. Three. Preacher Darren, I prayed today. I believe he heard me. Now you're still sitting here and you're hearing me right now. Praise God for what he's doing. But maybe you're here and say, Preacher Darren, I got some family members. They need to hear the word of God. They need to be convicted by the Holy Spirit's presence. Oh, they need to be saved. Preacher Darren, I want to go to that altar and I want to ask God to save my family members. I want to thank God for saving me. If it weren't for the grace of God, I'd be on my way to hell right now. Why don't you come to all right now and say, oh God, save my family. Oh God, oh God, oh God, thank you for saving me. Folks are moving, praise the Lord. Thank you for saving me. Come on right now, come on. Mind the Lord. Mind the Lord. Mind the Lord. Oh God, thank you. Praise the Lord. Keep coming, that's right. Keep coming, just mind him. I'm not in a rush today. I just want to do what God wants us to do. Praying for our families today. Thanking God for saving our souls. Oh, and if you're in the sound of my voice and you're still not sure, why don't you right where you are today just say, Jesus, I'm lost. Please forgive me and save me today. Tell him. Follow this morning as we bow in your presence. I give you praise and honor for what you're doing in our midst. And Lord, I'm asking your blessing today. God, upon our time together, Father, I pray for our families. God, I have family members that are not walking and serving God. They're not living for you. Father, they've never been saved. Lord, I'm begging you, would you save their soul? 
before it's everlasting too late. You said you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God, will you give them another opportunity? Will you send the preacher? Will you send my voice? Will you, will you hear my prayers? God, will you help me to witness and testify before them? God, will the Holy Spirit knock on their heart's door one more time? God, would you convict them and draw them one more time? God, would you save another soul? God, I pray today. Oh, God, I'm begging you, God, for mercy. I'm begging you for another opportunity. And God, I want you to hear me when I say thank you for saving me. Lord, I'm not what I ought to be. I don't live like I ought to live. But God, I'm better than I used to be. I'm not what I was, Lord. You've saved me and forgiven me. And now I'm your child, God. And I praise you for that today. And I give you thanks. And God, what a plan you have laid out. And God, every bit of it is true. And God, I cannot even tell the fourth of it, God, today of what you're going to do. Lord, would you hear our prayers today? Lord, save our lost. Thank you for saving our souls. Thank you for being so good to us, Lord. And for this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah to God. Amen.